When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, Whiskey Ginger fans? Welcome back to the show. If this is your first time joining us, like I say, please subscribe, hit that button, notification bell, so you know when we're posting. But you guys know we post every Friday. We never miss a Friday. We've been posting every Friday since the beginning. That's how we're going to keep it moving. This week's episode is great. It's with my boy Jesus Trejo, who I love so very much. He has a special out on Showtime right now. He's hysterical. You got to watch it. Uh, it's well worth your time. And if you don't have Showtime, you know, sign up, get three months for free, and then cancel it. I don't care, man. Just give the kid the views. Uh, if you're looking to find out when I'm going back on the road, we're trying. We're trying to do it right now. Things are opening up, which is good. I still have my Boston date at the Wilbur Theater, October 17th. That's up on the website at andrewsantina.com. You can find out all those dates that are being rescheduled as we go along. Please be patient. I'm trying my best to work with the theaters and the venues and the clubs. We're all doing what we can. Uh, it's out of my hands, baby. The Pandy is doing its own thing. Uh, also, our Patreon and our merch store are still there at andrewsantino.com. The Patreon is going to be doing uh, solo Cheeto chats and all sorts of different stuff that you can find there. And the merch store is there as well to get yourself some cool gear. Um, enough rambling from me. On to the episode. In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. You were that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like that. The ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. Five dollars for the whiskey, and seventy-five dollars for the horse. Gingers, oh hell no! This whiskey is excellent. Ginger, I like gingers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Whiskey Ginger. My guest today is one of my favorite people on earth. I say that for all my guests, but I mean it once again today. It is <laughs> Jesus Trejo. Cheers, up, air cheers, man? air cheers, 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 dog. Bam! There you go. Uh, that's a Corona. Cheers. Also, shoe cheers. Look at these fresh-ass Jordans you got Oh, on. man. You Yikes. know what I mean? I like those, bro. Los Sietes right here, the yeah, number seven. the Sietes, the Sietes. Yeah. And you know what number these are? Look, we both wore J's today. You know what number these are or no? Those are fours. You said it. You were there. Yeah, go ahead. Fours? Yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, is this I gotta the trust cause... myself. I yeah, you trust do. trust myself. Is this the last dance? Are we into this because the last dance? Or you always wear J's. Uh, I, I've, this is a, a recent thing, but I, I bought these for the special. Yeah, oh, you wore them in the special? Yeah, because they matched. Uh, All right, look at he's plugging matched. his special already. Look, man. All right, Jesus thank you. special Short is episode. out right now on <laughs> Showtime. It's incredible. <laughs> Go watch it. It's called Stay at Home Son. Yeah. But we talked before the show. You wish you put a comma, so it said Stay at Home, comma, Son. Son, right. But and what's wild is because you because you everyone telling everybody to stay safe, stay at home. But you named it that because you're a stay-at-home son for real to your parents, right? Yeah, I'm a stay-at-home son. That's why. And there's like a little, you got to look for the little line. I, I always get a kick out of a special when you, like the title is in there. Yeah. You're like, oh, all right, that, there it oh, is. Oh, so, okay. Know? So you drop it in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like a, like, a, like an album for an artist. I didn't, I, 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 I didn't do that in mine, but that's also because I couldn't find a name forever. Like I couldn't, I fought for a name and I just couldn't do it. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kept thinking of, you think of all these clever things that you think is funny or cool. Right. And then you look back on it and you're like, oh, that's so stupid. I don't, I don't want to name it that. So then I went through t 10 different iterations until I finally found what I wanted. But still, naming a special is tough, it's, man. It's probably the hardest part of a special. Is like I, like I, I, at one point, I'm like, why did I name it Stay at Home Son? It doesn't make sense. And now it's kind of like, oh, that's a good name. I'm no, like, it's oh. a great name. It's a really good name. Look at how many specials are out there with terrible names. What Seinfeld's new special is called 23 Hours to Kill. 
That's a terrible name to me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm hating. I'm, it's a I'm, sentence. It's bad. I, it's just not. I don't get it. I don't. I don't know. Louis special uh, was called. Uh, uh, what was it called? The, you you the said yes. One? What was it? The Louis newest one. Yeah. What was it called? No, I don't know. Uh, don't look at me in the eye. What was it called? <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> uh, sit still. Oh, it's called sit still. Louis C.K.'s new special. Sit still. Um. <laughs> What, did, I, you didn't watch his new special? It's good. No. I it, forgot what it was called. It's real good. What is it? Yeah, no, I, I, don't know. No, I didn't watch it. Are you are you a Louis fan or no? As, as a comic, he's great, yeah. Do you watch specials or no? I, I Here and there. Not not as much as I used to. I think in my, my earlier years, I used to watch a lot of them. Just Same. I mean, especially even before. Like, I, I went from watching all those specials before I started to my first few years to still watching a bunch and then I slowly started to tear off and yeah I just don't you don't want the influence yeah it's yeah. tough man I, I remember hearing an interview that Lil Wayne had and, and and they're like so who do you listen who's in your you, you know who's in your iPod or whatever it was an old interview he's like I don't listen to nobody yeah and and he also explains that people think it's cocky it's like no it's like I have to listen to my own stuff I'm listening to it to like make it better yeah but not that I listen to my own stuff like that. I do to make the joke better, but right. not, yeah. No, look, there's some point in your career that, at some point you're a fan, just a fan of comedy when you're starting comedy. Right. And then once you become a professional, it's your job. So these are your peers, uh, even if they're further along than you. So it's hard to kind of watch your peers' stuff sometimes because A, we see it every night in the club. Like we see yeah. you working it out. And then B... It's hard because you don't want to find anything that you're doing in their work or their work in your work. So to stay separated almost helps you a little bit. I mean, for me, I can't I can't watch because most of my friends, I see them work it out already. So it's, you know, like I've seen you yeah. for years. I've known you for years and I've seen, and we've been out together. So I've seen you work out longer sets. So it's yeah. kind of like, I know what you're putting out. You may have, you've got some sneakies in there that I'm sure I haven't seen. But that's true. It's like I, I think oftentimes we don't we don't get to watch you know the finished product of of, of our peers because we do see each other on a day to, yeah on a night to night basis working right. out at the store at the improv you know what have you so yeah we we yeah we you once you've seen it all in terms of your friends it's kind of hard to it's even I've even found it's like hard like even when Rock Rock comes to work out mm -hmm. and it's funny it's like when you see someone all the time working out stuff. You look at them and their and the final performance differently because you you know what I mean like you've been yeah I watched you build a house you know what I mean I saw the sink break but but it's almost more I, I think exciting as a comic when you see see somebody try a joke like for the first time like a oh, brand yeah. new joke it's like I want I want all ears it's like oh, oh that's yeah. fun and then after that you kind of just push back oh he's doing the joke again okay for yeah sure. once you've heard it you've heard it by yeah. the way Louis special is called sincerely I just looked it up sincerely. sincerely yeah it was good dude yeah but that was the last one I've seen since Chappelle. Cause it's hard. It's just hard. There's so many they put out now that it's hard to keep up. And uh, what's good about what you're doing, though, um, not to you know, not to sound like we're plugging, uh, but putting out Showtime's good for you because you're 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 kind of in a class of your own. You know, there's not 90 million specials on Showtime. That's good. People can go find that easier than you know. Netflix is tough. Netflix is a tough gambit. To, you know, to to get on first of all, and also. There's a million, a million specials on there. So yeah. many. It's just so many. There's a million specials, period. I'm just happy to finally get one because it's one of those, you know, boxes that you want to check off. You know, sure. since you're a kid, you have this dream of being a comic. And part of being a comic is like, 
I, I want to have that notch on my belt of, yeah. hey, I have a special. So it's, it's done in Showtime was very kind and generous and, and you know, given the offer. and They should have paid you more, though. We all saw what you got paid. They should have paid you twice, <laughs> three times. Showtime, you know you did them wrong. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I'm, I'm no, very you're happy. grateful. You're happy. I'm happy, man. It's like, hey, this would be great. And once all the pandemic stuff, you know, subsides, you know, be able to go on the road and kind of connect with people that the, the special hope. resonated with. So that's the hope. I want to tell you something. I want to compliment you. Uh, I've always, I've always liked you. I've always think you're a great dude and a great comic, but you have a joke that to this day, I'm not going to tell your joke, but I laugh so hard. Even thinking about it. When you talk about your teeth, about your oh. father saying your teeth <laughs> look yeah. like the yeah. skyline of LA. Yeah. Right? My bottom teeth look like downtown LA from far away. Yeah, I love that shit. I look love that, that shit. <laughs> that always, dude, that every time I saw you do that, that made me laugh so fucking hard. Cause what a perfectly descriptive thing. And only people that live in Los Angeles know the skyline. You know what I mean? It kind of right. has a very like, so even though your teeth obviously don't look like that, man, every time I get the vision in my head of that skyline of LA, the US bank building and everything. So it just becomes yeah. so vivid the in Ernst my head. The Young building is like, yes. I like that building. That's they do so fine funny, work. man. <laughs> They do fine work over like, yeah, there. Yeah, my, my bicuspid is the Ernst & Young building. <laughs> this is the GM building. No, but it's so funny to like see that. Uh, to, it's great because you do gr great visual jokes. You have great visual jokes, you know? I like that about you, man. You really do oh, that's show what kind, you're saying. Man. Yeah, I mean, I hate you as a comedian, but I do like those jokes. Hey, man, you know, I, I'll take what He'll I can take get. It. Stop it. You Stop know, it. I do think in cartoons. You know I mean? It's like, like, like my brain just works in cartoons. So it's like as I'm... Like thinking, I just like I I, I hear the mm, you know all, all the stuff. Really? Like, yeah. Were you sure. obsessed with cartoons as a kid? Obsessed. What was your uh, favorite? The one that really really like like the earliest memories like Bobby's World. That was like one of the first ones, which in turn introduced What's, me to stand up. That yeah. was Howie's Mandel. Howie Mandel. That's right. And then it was like uh, he did that high pitched voice of Bobby, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. oh, rap you know? That's it. That oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's man. really good, bro. Yeah, and then uh, um, uh, Life with Louis, Louis Anderson's cartoon, so good. Uh, Eek the cat, Eek the cat was another one that I was like so into. Did, did you ever see this? I know the name, but I don't know it. It was just uh, how old are you, by the way? Uh, thirty three. Okay, we're just, similar. I'm thirty six, so we're close. Yeah, yeah, we're right there. Yeah. But Eek the Cat, what was Eek the Cat? Eek the Cat was just like this underdog cat was the description of it. Yeah. And uh, he would get in like a bunch of trouble. Like he he like uh, his the love interest was this massive pink cat. And he was just. Oh, dude, I do remember this. Bro, I loved it. it Shark Doggy Dog. Do you remember yes, that? That I used dude. to bully yes, him? Yes, yes. So, yeah, I mean, you name it. I, I watched it. Anything that was free. We didn't have cable, but. You know, whatever was like on Saturday morning cartoons, whenever I could watch, I'd, I'd watch, yeah. you know. But yeah, man, I just think in cartoons, man. I just... You Thundercats. Know, physical, that was like like slapstick comedy, all day. That's your shit. Oh, Buster Keaton, sign me up. You love Buster Keaton. Three Stooges, sign me up. Laurel and Hardy, what's up, man? That's so funny, man, because to me, I was never... Like I like slapstick comedy, but I but you're reaching back into the era prior to us. But that's really impressive that you like. Did your old man introduce you to that? Like, how did you find out about all that stuff? I I actually so check this out. So my first uh, introduction to comedy period was this guy named uh, Chespirito, right? And the name comes from he was a playwright, soccer player turned playwright, right? And he did uh, like a sitcom about a kid, a poor kid that lived in a barrel uh -huh. in an apartment complex, right? But he was so funny, so Chespirito. Fun Shakespeare. They called him Little Shakespeare, Chespirito. Oh, that's great. And then he had two shows back to back. So you could watch these on Sunday um, in the afternoon sometimes, but Saturdays, like evening, 
so funny, right? So that was my first introduction. Then it was like Cantinflas, which I know Cantinflas from so, the seventies, yeah. From, so so Charlie Chaplin regarded him as one of the funniest comedians alive. Yeah, Cantinflas for people that don't know is, is was a was probably the pioneer of of uh, cinema in, in Mexico. In like, Mexico, he was mass, massive, massively famous, massive, so much so that even English English speaking communities could 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 hear of it in a time before social media like you imagine like how, how can you spread that word of someone like Cantin Flas without major publication no no major network putting you on like that un- until much you know like later in the career when it became like a and then people knew and then it was like a commonality but to get big back then and famous across culture and language that's a crazy thing man but we're gonna take it full circle here so it's like he he was able to transcend like language because he was so physical yes. you know and he spoke yep. from an underdog perspective like his big his big movie was he he was a street sweeper right yep. he would walk around the street sweeping throwing trash he used to sag his pants red bandana right my mom was like growing up was like why are you sag like 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 you're sagging because you're some gangster or something I'm like no I want to be like Cantinflas. to me that's why I sagged Whoa, as a wow. kid. And, uh, I don't even know why we sagged as kids. We thought it was cool to do for some reason. It was just cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah. but he did it and that made it look smooth for you. At yeah, least, it's like, no, he was broke. He didn't have money to buy a belt. Right, right. I was like, ah. Right. But it's like, so so the physicality to me, even La India Maria, which was like a, um, she was an indigenous woman, right? Who, who uh, very physical, very funny, but made these movies. She was like, imagine almost like a female uh, Chris Farley. Oh wow! I mean, would fall. What just, era was she from? She was like like eighties, yeah, like early eighties into nineties. But so funny, and and one of the things I realized at a young age is that that the physicality transcended. Because then I get into you know Three Stooges, Buster Keaton, sure. and that kind of thing. So now taking it to comedy, I feel like a lot of my bits, at least initially when I started to now, are physical because that's like I don't know. To, to me that just connects more people to sure. what i'm trying to say sure you know? well it's what it's it's what it's your language it's your comedy language we all have a comedy language you know there's a there's a term a cheap term that people use occasionally that's like uh, what's your act you know if somebody doesn't yeah, know yeah. comedy they go oh, what's your act yeah it's like well i don't have an act because an act was kind of a very specific time kind in of comedy skits do you yeah do? what kind of sketches do you yeah they, oh, dude, i hate that shit as soon as you hear the word skits, skits. run for the hills yeah. what are your skits <laughs> like oh f- <laughs> if i can pull out a gun this one yeah <laughs> but they but they but they go they say what's your act or your sketch what's your skits what's your bits you know and I think it, that's from a time when... A vaudeville area. Yeah, when there was like, you had an act and you had to do it for the rest of the time. Us, if we're not progressing, you're going to lose fans and you're not going to keep going. And as an artist, it would be unsatisfactory. There's something about that that's like, I'm surprised the artist of old didn't want to keep changing. I mean, there were guys like Lenny Bruce who kind of broke the mold, who was like, oh, I'm just going to say all sorts of new shit all the time. Yeah, but it's like there there has to be a constant like pushing of the envelope. Like right now, it's like we're we're kind of faced with this conundrum of like, all right, do we do the Zoom shows or not? You yeah, know, well, it's like it's not stand up. Have you done them? Yeah, I've 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 done them. How and, many? Uh, a dozen maybe. Are they good? There it is. That's the pause. That's no, all I need. No, to know. no, no. <laughs> they they initially they were bad. People were trying to yeah. figure out, but now it seems like there's a there's a way to make it a. As conducive as possible, given you know 
Yeah, given the circumstances. The challenges that, you know, yeah. of audio not being live, but there has to be a constant evolving. And it's like, look, the, there was purists back when, at Buster Keaton's era, there were purists is like, oh man, you got to fall. What are you doing talking about your life? You know, in comparison to like a Richard Pryor. Richard sure. Pryor came in and talked about being vulnerable, mm -hmm. addiction, that kind of thing. And people were like, why is he talking about those things sure. on stage? But And then the, there was another era of purists and then it evolved, you know, so. It's always going to keep changing. Wh whether or not, the, the 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 problem for me is like the the reason I haven't involved myself in Zoom shows is, and I've said this before, I don't care that people do them. Um, if you want to do them, do them. That's great. I have no, I have no hate on them whatsoever. I know I won't enjoy it because I just my ticker is different. There's something yeah. about that I know I'm I don't like those things in general. Like Zoom things are hard for me anyway, or like you know like Zoom meetings. I just don't feel like I connect enough. So for me, it's been hard to get over that hump mm -hmm. and I'm sure I'd figure it out. Yeah. But I just, um, I'm just holding out for some reason. I also think to be very, very, very candid. I sold out a lot of shows on this tour. I sold a lot of tickets. Yeah. I feel like I'd be disenfranchising my fans that bought yeah. tickets to shows that they're never going to be able to see me do until valid next year. So that's been my thing is like, I sold out Chicago. It was supposed to be in March. The day I was there, we had to cancel it because the day I was in Chicago, this, this started. You know, isn't that crazy? The, I went home to the city of Chicago, go do go to a sold out Homecoming show. show. Yeah, man. And then that morning, they issued a statement saying um, no gathering of 250 or more. That's how early on this was. 250 was still the number. Well, the venue's 785. So I was like, what, what, what am I going to do? How are we going? How are we going to make this a thing? If I go forward, then I'm the bad guy, right? So I, I didn't want the onus put on me. So we canceled the show, and that was the beginning of the end. But I always felt like those people are going to get a show eventually. They paid for those tickets. I'm going to honor all that stuff. Right. I am I have no control over when. I feel weird being like, well, get online and pay me $25 to see me now, even though you weren't, you were going to see me in your home that you already paid for. Right. That's a mental thing for me is that I get weird guilt complex over it. You know, but, that's really what it comes down to. But it's very to. valid. I mean, yeah. you have very valid points. And look, I, I I was very against the Zoom thing initially, but then it's like, oh, well, let but me try it. you were against it. it for taste purposes, right? Yeah. Like you a, thought it was kind of cheesy. Yeah, it's like our, our, our artistic, uh, what, what do they call it? Artistic choice, integrity, uh, and integrity having you know artistic integrity. I'm, that, that's not what I'm going to do. Sure. But I, I tried it. and I ended up, I, I ended up liking it for what it is. It could never replace stand up. No, and it never will. But we're going to get back to live shows eventually. And when we do, you know, we'll be out on the stage together like we always do. That's what yeah. we, dude. I, I met you uh, through the store, through the system of the store, mm -hmm. and quite frankly, like what I, I think and. I was still a door guy. Yeah, and I and I was just gonna say this isn't this isn't me being condescending, but I watched you like work really hard working up through the thing. Yeah. It was really wild to watch because I always knew you were good, and I'm not trying to blow you, but like I always knew you were good, and I thought, man, he's gonna get even better and stronger. And you started to kind of peel away from your peers, you know, no disrespect, but then you kind of just found yourself above people in your class, and there's there becomes people in the class that bust through the top, and then others that don't. And that's just a part of it. And you sorted a, you but you busted through in a big way. I mean, people took notice. You get passed. It becomes a thing, and then you become a full professional comedian. And I kind of saw it, was witness for it. It's and it's a wild thing to watch, you know. Yeah, I you, you know everyone kind of like takes on a like a specific journey. It's like it starts off the same, and then yeah. it it becomes something totally different. Your path becomes different. I ended up at the store parking cars, and then you know grinding around town and. To be passed at the store, it just it, it's such a 
nice feeling, you know, nice. from from being outside the house yeah. to being inside now. It's like, oh, thank God I was outside parking cars. And that was a different experience than what it is inside. But right. there's always something to kind of strive, like strive for, you know. It's oh, like, yeah. Well, you got to accept more and more and more goals. As, an, as a kid who's from L.A., did, did the store mean anything to you as a kid or no? Yeah, it's like I, I knew that, that that that's where like, you know, you have the Jim Carrey's and, you know, you know, the Bill Hicks and right. Sam Kennison's that right. would come, you know, through the store. And uh, yeah, it means something. And then, you know, it, it just was a very distant reality. Hollywood as a city, as a as, as a business, it was such a distant reality growing up. Right. that It was just like. You, you just don't go to Hollywood. I remember right. we like as a kid, my mom and I came to Hollywood uh, one day um, and it was a big deal. I was like maybe like, I don't know, 10, somewhere between 10 and 13 or something like that. And what my city mom, did you grow up in, by the way? Or what uh, part Long Beach, East Side Long okay, Beach. Long Beach, that's yep. right, yeah. And um, my mom won a blender on a radio station and she called my <laughs> go godfather's like, can you give us a ride to go pick up this blender? It was a big deal, man. Yeah. We 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 got to Hollywood. We're looking at the stars on, on, on the floor. We're like, like, wild. like this is wild. My, yeah. Mind you, there's a homeless guy over there taking a piss, but this right. is Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? On one of the stars. Yeah, on one of the stars. On, and then we got Andy to Griffith see or some shit. Uh, a Cantinflas uh, hands print at the sure. Chinese theater. Right. So that was like a big thing. And then, you know, artists that my mom recognized from, you know, Mexico. Right. You know, um, you know mariachi or, or, or Mexican music or, or theater. Um, movies and that kind of stuff, uh, the stars that we would see on the Walk of Fame, and yeah, that 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 was the closest thing. So to kind of, you know, kind of figure it out on my own, it, 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 you know, there's a level of like, oh, that's cool. I've, I've been able to kind of keep my nose above water in this in this business, not knowing so, anything. Why? Yeah, I mean, when you were young, you Holly coming to LA was a thing that you never thought was going to be a thing that you were going to do career wise. Like, did you, as a kid, did you go, I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to try stand up. I'm going to do that whole thing. Or was that kind of thing that happened much later in life? Well, I'm, I mean, I've, I've never really lived in LA. You, you know, that's why like, you know, people like you come from Chicago. It's like, like, like my hat always goes off to any comic or actor who I see in this town. You, you know, usually the butt of the joke is like, fuck, Oh, you know, so, you know, somebody else moved here, another transplant. Sure. But yeah. it's like, I have nothing but the utmost respect for anyone Who that comes. can pick up and, and comes here because I, I grew up 25 miles away. Sure. I still haven't been a, yeah, you, like able to move right here. You see, but that's what I'm but that's partly choice because home is special to you. Sure, Long Beach is a thing for you, right? Like I'm on the outskirts now. I live in the South Bay, but you know, it's still it's like I, I haven't. You bought that mansion in Hermosa, right? Yeah, I. Everybody wish. knows, dude. This guy has a house on the beach. <laughs> it's a seven and a half million dollar house, man. This guy's a, this guy's he's pretending he tries to pretend like he's a you know a regular old guy from Long Beach. No, dude, no, he's got he's got a mansion on Second Street uh -huh. in um in Long Beach in in what's it called uh uh, uh Belmont Shore. He lives Belmont in Belmont Shore. Shore. That place was man, man Belmont Shore. Like growing up, we used to go down there. Like that was like sometimes a sun a Sunday outing. That was the first place I moved to. No way. Dude, when I went to college with guys. Chicago to Belmont Shore? Well, Chicago to Arizona. Arizona. When I went to school in Arizona. Okay. And when I left Phoenix, I had a couple of friends and they were like, hey, we're going to try to find a place in Southern California. We didn't really know where we were going to end up, but we were trying to come to Southern California. And one friend had a guy that he knew that lived in Belmont Shore off 2nd Street, um, off uh, Xemno. Xemno. Xemno, yeah. yeah I went Xemno. to school over there. Uh, and, Wilson High School. Oh, oh, right. That's right. Yeah. 10th and Xemno. And he was like, uh, we can go there. We can stay on his lazy... I could sleep on his lazy boy. And so on the 4th of July, 
I, I moved here. Told the story. Wow. Uh, ad nauseum. Fans that know are like, all right, do we know this? But but yeah, dude. I, and I lived down on a guy's lazy boy in Long Beach for a while until we could figure it out. And then finally, till I ended up moving up to LA to Culver City. But wow. that was my first experience of Southern California below Los Angeles because I didn't know where to go in LA. Yeah, I had come to LA to try to look for an apartment one time with the girl I was dating in college, and we ended up by Sepulveda and the freeway. Uh, at the freeway intersections of the 10 and the 405 and mm-hmm. this shitty apartment and we couldn't even afford that apartment. And so I was f- tripping. I was like, is yeah. this what all LA is like? Is it this expensive? Right. I mean, I was freaking the fuck out because I was like, we can't afford this. We'll never be able to. F-. And this is underneath the fucking freeway. Dude, I was like on the freeway and I couldn't, still couldn't afford that apartment. So I was freaking out. I was like, we're never going to, I'm never going to make it up here. There's no way I can, I can't pay for this. So lo and behold, when I went back and then went with a buddy, you know, I, he was like, we can stay with this guy. He'll help us out until we can figure it out. So that was kind of what helped me. But Long Beach, that has a special place in my heart because of that was the first place I landed. When you say that, it's like I I, I hear that there was like a certain level of like a like like a sense of urgency that you had that you're like, no, I'm gonna do this for myself. It's like, is there ever a thing like I can't go back home and be like, how was well, yeah. LA? Like, I'm here. It didn't work out. It's no, like, I, I did knew. Did you fight I, against that? You, well, I, like for me, it was like I knew I wasn't going to go back to Chicago because if I went back to Chicago, I would have been contempt with um, probably getting a job and staying near family and then probably not working my way up to either getting to L.A. or New York. You know, and all you had ever heard as a kid who was interested in comedy since high school right. was like, you got to pick a place to live. And I was like, I'll never be able to make it in New York. I mean, I, that's New York to me was like, it was for rich people, you know, and it was like, oh, yeah. that's like a fancy person's city. Right. You know, it was like either for like either rich people because Manhattan or it was like, oh, and then or you're going to live in like some some piece of shit, dog shit neighborhood in a in, in a borough that you don't right. want to be in. Like that was the scare for me. California was this magical place, bro. That was like people can go there. There's a bunch of different way, ways you can kind of sneak by in California. That's how we'd, mm. always, we'd always heard when I moved to Phoenix. It was like most of those kids were California kids. And they would kind of inform me of on like, LA is more than just Hollywood. People hear LA, they go Hollywood. It's like, no, it's just a huge city. You could live anywhere. Right. And you can be, it's much, I've talked to New York comics about this. It's way easier to be poor in LA. Way easier. Being poor in New York is extremely difficult. You leave your door in New York, there's $100 out of your hand. Because it's like, oh, you got to take a train, you got to take a cab, and you have to go here to go this, to do this, to do that, to do that. LA, it's like you can live crumped together with a bunch of dudes in an apartment in a cheap part of the valley or south, you know what I mean? Right. Or, you know what I mean? Or, or like by the airport. And it's like, you can do it significantly cheaper than New York. It's like, well, you got to crowd into an even smaller space with even more people for even more money and getting around was even hard. You know, it was, it was yeah. even more of a financial challenge. So for me, I knew I was going to move to California. I also love the idea of sunshine growing up in fucking right, snow. Right, good weather. Yeah, fuck yeah. I was like, I'm not doing, you know. But this was all, that was going to be my, that was always my, 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 my target. And once I got here, I knew I couldn't go back. I didn't, I just didn't want to deal with the idea of. Having to go back. Having to go back, you know, like. Explaining. And it's not like I took an L. It would, it would have been more, di- I would have been more disappointed in myself. It's not like sure. my family would have yeah. been like, oh, he took an L. He's right. a fucking loser. No, it would have been more, I'm more mad. They would have been like, yeah, man, you went across the country, you tried. I would have been like, no, this, I fucking, this is what I set myself out to do it. I'm going to finish it. Yeah. So for me, you know, it was more that thing, you know, like, but the mystique is interesting because you 
growing up near it, it's just a different perspective. But that's what's crazy because me growing up, it's like, like I almost looked at New York like you looked at LA. I was like, oh man, like I want to, that's, that's where you go to make it. Oh, that's interesting. And even to this day, if, if, if I had the means of picking up and going, I would live in New York. You would? Like, yeah, I, I would live. Is it because of the stage time, because of the culture? Like what, what about New York would attract you? Uh, yeah, first of all, for the for the stage time and you know yeah. the comedy, you know the community, the community. But like, I I, I think I, I'm just enamored with the, like I'm I'm a city kid. I, I like a lot of people moving around. Sure. Like if I if I lived in Times Square and had that amount of people moving all the time, I would be so happy. Oh, what a nightmare! If I lived in the countryside, quiet crickets outside, but. It'll drive me nuts. I can I can hold three days of that, and then really? I want out. See, I think maybe like I grew up in downtown Chicago, and then we moved to the suburbs when when my mom had my little sister and got remarried. Yeah, and I I miss the city. I I always wanted to live a city lifestyle again, but when I moved here, I kind of just accepted the fact that that wasn't going to be the thing because L.A. isn't a city the way I was used to a city. So I'm okay with it. Uh, but as I've gotten older, I like the crickets. Hey, no. I like the crickets. Really? <laughs> yeah, bro. Give me the crickets. Holy moly. Yeah, give me the crickets because 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 of the lifestyle that we lead, because of doing comedy every night and running the run around the country and shooting a TV show or doing this and doing that. And the amount of work that I kind of put on my plate, I think. I love the I I love when I get home and I hear the crickets, I love the crickets. Oh no. Wait. Uh give me the crickets, dude. No, yeah. dude. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> See, but there, like, I do recognize this. There has to be a certain level of money coming in to enjoy New York at a certain thing. Well, you got to be I, rich. You got to yeah. be fucking rich in that city. You have to be so rich. I mean, look, we have friends in the comedy game that own places in the city. Right. And it's taken them a long time to get to that point and kudos to get to that point. But also, even when you get to that point of buying a nice ass place in New York, you're still in the jungle, baby. You're still in this like, and that's what's beautiful. Oh to me, fuck man. that! Someone lives ah. above you. I'm not paying a million and a half dollars to hear a guy above me yelling and screaming, and a guy down the hallway. And fuck that! Like that's the craziest part about our culture, L.A. and New York is the money disparity is absurd. Yeah. If you told someone in the middle of America, I mean, they're not dumb. People know what it. People know about this. It's not a new thing. But you buy a million dollar condo in New York and you're still crowded. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a crazy concept. It's crazy. Yeah. You want it too. Well, you're going to get it. Like, and you know what? You'll be in, you'll be in New York. Jesus is going to be so successful. I'm telling you, you are, you're going to be very successful seriously because you're, you're very talented, but Jesus's ass is going to be living in Manhattan in Soho in a three bed, three bath. And he paid eight, 18 million for it. And a he's month. got, a view, and he's got yeah, a month and he's got a view of another building, you know, and I'll be living on a lake somewhere and, uh, but fuck, I don't give a shit. And the house was only two hundred grand, and I'm be I'm gonna be lamping, hanging out, no neighbors. Leave me alone. I want to be on a lake. Me and the old lady have talked about that. Me and the old bag have said we want to be on. A, I want to be on a lake when it's all over. Hey, are, Put are me you, on are, a lake and leave me alone out there. I'll go die on my lake. So, are you into like fishing and that kind of thing? Where you like fishing's all right. It's more about I just like the peacefulness of water, mm. which is ironic because I fucking hate the beach in L.A. I don't ever want to be on the west side. Because I don't mm. fuck with that. I don't like. There's too much commotion. I like the peacefulness of water in a lake because it's calm. The ocean is pretty, but I don't like all the people it draws. I think you bring up a great point. I, actually, I like the commotion and the ocean. I, I grew up, you know, driving along the ocean to school every morning. So it's like even when I go on the road and I don't see the water in like maybe a week or two, I get weird. 
Yeah, you like the the ocean. There's something about water that that does something. Yeah, for your you brain. drive. Even if I don't get in the water, which by the way, I don't know how to swim. You never you know? what? You can't swim? No, you can't swim. I, I never got in the water and swam. I just <laughs> <laughs> you just throw pennies at the water or sand or a good. A good old friend of mine used to have a joke. This this makes me laugh. He doesn't do comedy anymore, but man, he used to have a joke. Or maybe he is doing comedy again. But we did comedy years ago. But he used to have a joke about. Um, and it's not my joke. I'm not saying it's mine. But he used to have a joke. He said, "I used to love." He goes, "I love going to see Mexicans uh, at the beach uh-huh. in L.A. because they're the only people that will wear shoes in in the water. Like the like they don't they don't take off their sneakers. They're laced up, yeah, laced up. And I was like, that's uh-huh. not true. And then I went. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, they'll go swimming. They'll go swimming in the Not ocean. Not stepping on in no jellyfish, no, bro. That ain't fucking jellyfish. I don't want to get stung, eh? <laughs> I thought that was wild. It was the first time I ever saw that in LA. Is they would people would wear kicks in into the water. I was like, you can wear shoes in the fucking water. Yeah, but that wasn't a big deal. That was like a very normal thing. Yeah, right? I, I, like, I, I, I would see it. You know, I. I but you're not getting in the water ever. You never nah. got. You never got in the ocean. I mean, no. Growing up in Long Beach, you didn't go. I mean, did never. you go down to Seal Beach? Did you go down to Seal <laughs> of Beach? Of course, yeah. yeah. I, I used to, I used to have a job over at in in, in Seal Beach. Uh, like when we would, uh, oh, as a matter of fact, so like senior year when we would have like, you know, ditch Fridays or whatever. Right, right, right. We we, we would drive down to Bolsa Chica. Oh, Bolsa Chica is great. Uh, people for people that don't know that w- that was one of the remaining beaches in Southern California. We were allowed to have bonfires still yes, on the beach. That's right. Bolsa Chica got was a there was a. Um, Cause I remember going down there and them telling us that there was an old little bar there, like an old wooden shit shack bar. God, why can't I remember the name of it? Right before you got to Bolsa Chica, Pat just past Seal Beach, and it was um, damn, I wish I knew the name. But anyway, um, uh, uh, but they they would they told us that they were like, oh yeah, this is one of the only remaining state beaches where you can legally have open fire pits because yeah. most of the beaches you can't do that shit anymore. Yeah, California man. said no to that. Yeah, Seal Beach, Bolsa Chica, like shit. Like, like I remember I was in, uh, this was senior year and, uh, I had my little Bronco too. It was like the, the smaller Bronco, yeah, you know, yeah. Eddie Bauer edition, but it was like a Woo! salvage, salvage, up, salvage truck. What's up, player? Like it, it would drive like leaning. It was yeah. Eddie Bauer, the outlet mall, Eddie Bauer. It was, uh, it was terrible, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it ran. So me and a couple of homies like, Hey, we're going to go to Bolsa Chica. We're going to go hang out. And my, and another homie of mine, he, he had a, a, a Geo Metro. Loved. It, it, it I had two friends that had Geo Metros. Uh, V three. Yeah, yeah, there were two bags. That was you had to start. You had to engine started like a fucking like, a, like an old lawnmower. Then it you started off like a little toy car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it would go. No, yeah, truth, truth. That that those were those were that's those are beautifully shit cars. But that's it what you like drove. That's what drove. That's you drove in high school. Yeah, it, it, it was. It looked like a cracked boiled egg. But so we go. <laughs> To Bolsa Chica, we have this, you know, there's like a bonfire. I mean, we mm-hmm. stay out there late. We're 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 coming back, all the homies, and he's he's pedaled to the floor. I mean, just gassing it. He gets pulled over. I I I drive through and I we wait for him at this parking lot of like a, a, a CVS thing. So they ended up uh, taking his car because no, uh, no license and he was speeding. Oh, so shit. they take his car. His pops w- was delivering pizzas, right? So, so he showed up back home. His dad was pissed. He ended up having to like deliver pizzas in this huge like church van that he had for the whole family, <laughs> the seventeen seat bill joint. <laughs> so his dad was so furious because the amount of gas he's wasting on this yeah. was eight times what it was. Oh, for, way worse. You know, the V three. Was he? Was he? Were you guys out? Now he had no license. It was speeding. 
Was he also drinking? Were you guys, were you a sipping well, too? That well, would have been troublesome. I was not sipping. I was a good kid, but my homies were sipping. And, and I even told him, I said, hey, don't bring the bottle in my car because if we get pulled over, I don't want to get in trouble. Sure. And so it was in his car. Later, I found out it was in my car the whole time. And the homies were put just it, you like. put it in yours? No. Uh, one of my other homies uh, put it in the backpack. And he just kept real quiet and didn't say nothing. Not cool. Like, you guys are wild, man. When's the first time you got liquored up? Do you remember? First time I got liquored up? Uh, probably like college. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. College. No, sir. never in high school. No. Wow, good boy. Well, well, if I did, it was like with my pops, you know, like some... some Right, uh, at the house. But a a half a beer, a, you know, it's right. like... But I mean, the first time you got drunk. Like drunk, drunk, yeah. Yeah, probably college. Where'd you go to college? Uh, Cal State Dominguez Hills. woo Yeah, man. Commuter Woo-hoo. school, nobody plays sports there, man. Let's just go home. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. School day's yeah. done, we leave. Extracurricular activities were just jobs. Yeah, yeah job, jobs yeah. And, and the bus to get home. It yeah, was extracurricular bus. hard to get the bus. So when you, you were at school and that when you got introduced to liquor at a party, or were you not interested in it because of you were a good boy, or because you just were like... It, 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 it wasn't a thing even to this day like i'm, I'm more of like a, like a a, a whiskey kind of thing well, you're you know? on the right you're on the right show yeah uh but ne- uh, never beer and it was never my thing yeah never never you, today how about to today? this day yeah, yeah you don't drink beer ipas is tough to even kind of stomach yeah oh really yeah just like ooh. i like, like I, I like a couple of beers but i was also a beer hound when i was young i liked beer i liked whiskey as a kid because it was always in my family because my grandfather and my by process of my grandfather, my grandmother drinking, they would drink uh, Manhattans. Mm-hmm. Everybody liked whiskey in my family. And then, so the Irish, you know, the thing, the thing. Yeah. I become the whiskey kid. I liked it a lot. But then I got into beer for a while in college because you can't pound whiskey all day. No. And in college, you can drink a thousand beers. It's a trip to me. Today, I drink a couple of beers in the sunshine in my backyard and, and I'm buzzed and tired and I need to take a nap. When we were in school... We used to, I mean, we had a kegerator and we had a, we had a thing on top of it. You just put a dollar in if you drank, if you mm. drank out of the kegerator, just put a dollar in cause what? that will help us get a new keg. So when we'd, we'd run out, usually we'd have 30 or 40 bucks in there and kegs back then were only 45, 50 bucks for natty light or whatever. That's great. I know it's great. And then we just keep, re, re, you know, we'd refill it, but we could drink that thing all day, smoke weed, you know, take other drugs if you were interested to keep you going. Right. Yeah. Still by the evening, I'd be fine. I, I I used to be able to run so hot and heavy. There were, nothing could slow me down. <laughs> now a couple of beers in the sunshine, and I'm like, I gotta take a nap. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. All right. My stomach, my neck hurts. You know what I mean? I I'll probably I take a nap weird. In here, we pour whiskey. whiskey. This episode of Whiskey Ginger is brought to you in part by Manscaped. Manscaped, I love. I talk to you guys so much about this on all the platforms that I'm on that I use Manscaped. I trimmed up my bush the other day, but it's not just about downstairs. It's about upstairs too. They're introducing the Weed Whacker. It's a 9,000 RPM dual motor, 360-degree rotary dual blade system that cleans out your nose hairs and your ears hairs. I used it the other day. It's pretty great. And I have a jungle up there, uh, and it worked very, very well. I'm not going to lie. They're changing uh, the grooming game. It, uh, it It's great, actually, because I've used some of those nose trimmers before, and they hurt. It hurt. You pull out a nose hair, and you're like, and you water, your eyes water. I hated it so much. But um, this thing is great. Honestly, it's, uh, it makes it so much easier and it's painless and uh, you feel almost nothing. Uh, you'll get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking uh, time clean and enjoyable. It's time to upgrade your entire manscaping routine from the bottom to the tiz op. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code WHISKEYWW at manscaped.com. Uh, thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our pews trimmed and our hairs 
in our holes looking nice. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WHISKEYWW at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use that promo code WHISKEYWW. What you waiting for? Go whack your weeds, kids. You know the Whiskey Ginger likes to drink. I like to get my sauce on. That's how I like to live my life. And a lot of people think that when you get hungover, it's because you're dehydrated. It's not true. That shitty feeling is not from dehydration. It's actually because of the buildup of the alcohol's toxic byproduct. You may be dehydrated as well, so drink a couple of waters in between your night of raging. But um, it's not actually just dehydration. It's toxicity in your blood system from the alcohol. That's why DHM Detox has made a great, incredible product that you can take before and during uh, your drinking session. Their key ingredient is DHM. It's a plant extract. It's been used in Asia for, for centuries, um, and it comes from uh, what's known as the Tree of Gods. You take two of these little capsules. They're little tiny pills. Your first couple of drinks, and it goes to work. I'm telling you, the next morning, you will feel incredibly different. I'm not, I'm, I am not lying. It's remarkable. I also advise drinking a couple of glasses of water when you're having your drinks at night, but take two of these DHM Detox, and if you're really going ham, take two more. The next morning, you will feel phenomenal. You'll feel like you're 20 again. You know when you could drink and wake up and run a marathon? Now you're over the hill a little bit and you're like, "Eh, it hurts. It hurts till about noon, noon the next day. Uh, No more. Okay. And we've got you 20% off your first order. Head over to dhmdetox.com. Use the promo code whiskey at checkout. That's dhmdetox.com. And use that promo code whiskey. It's a risk-free purchase, by the way. If you aren't satisfied, email them. They're going to give you your money back. So try it out. Take the hangover with DHM Detox. Back to the episode. Ginger. I like gingers. We used to, like, uh, in college, I worked at a golf course. and um, Oh, that's another thing I want to talk to you about. Go ahead. Sorry, okay. I don't want to cut, but you just no, reminded no. me of something. But, okay. yeah. Um, so, I used to work at a golf course. Uh, Los Ver- course? Uh, Los Verdes. In, oh, yeah. In, in Palos Verdes. Oh, so yeah. I worked there all through college. And uh, me and my what homie, uh, I worked the range. You know, mm-hmm. I picked up balls on the range before they made it all nice. We had to go shovel balls into the back of trucks, into the little pickup truck that really? everyone aims at. Dude, I got knocked out twice. We can get into that. Um, but I, uh, a mechanic kind of cleaning like the little carts or whatever, the cart barn. Yeah. So cart barn and range. And uh, people would leave beers. Like they would come in after a round. They're like, hey, man, I got a little beer for you. Bro, I used to put them down. Like that was my only recollection of ever like being into beer because you're just bored and right. working. So I would, I would drink all day. It's like I I'd probably leave work after nine beers. Yeah, and how old were you? Twenty two. Yeah, twenty one. Twenty one. Twenty two. You could drink 22. a thousand fucking dude. You couldn't stop me from drinking beers. We just, you get sober again. I would drink so much you'd be sober again. You know, just you're pour like, beer in that tilted big gold cup. Oh yeah, <laughs> don't let it foam up. It was yeah. great. It was one of the best. Yeah, me and the homie used to just kill him. And there was a man. This guy was so cool. Um, uh, his name was Bob, right? Bob and his daughter. Uh, uh, turns out his daughter married uh, Tim Thomerson. Do you know Tim Thomerson, comic from the? Yeah, yeah. Wait, who's his daughter? Is she, what? Is she? Oh, so Bob, the guy that used to go to the uh, a golf course, right? Uh, so his daughter uh, married Tim Thomerson. Oh, I, I, okay, I, okay, I, okay. I never got. She to didn't meet work her. for. She didn't work for. Okay, okay, okay. No, no. And um, you know, he he used to come by, but he he was one of the first salesman from what i understand for heineken beer right oh, wow so he would sell all up and down uh, sunset boulevard and you know he had the best stories but he loved heineken so he would come to the course just this adorable 
older man right. would show up just to putt, hit a couple balls on the range, and I would hook him up with the bucket of balls. Just like, I'm not going to let this man buy a bucket of balls. So I'd hook him up. We all hook him up, right? And he'd give us one Heineken beer wrapped up in a tr like a trash bag. He's like, here you go. I got you a little something. <laughs> it was the best. But yeah. we all, everyone in the cart barn knew about it. So as soon as we saw uh, Bob, Bob pull up yeah. in the in the hey, here comes Bob. Here comes Bob. Get the, hey, get over here, bro. We all look like little dogs trying to get adopted. Just yeah. you know, yeah. you, you know the <laughs> best posture possible. Am I the best? Am I? Am I? A, am I a good oh, boy? thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> yeah, that's and great. And the host like, damn, he got the beer today. So wait, you got knocked out twice on the range. You have yeah. to tell this story. Yeah, bro. I I, I was out there like uh, we were. Uh, they were out there fixing uh, the range, and me and my homie Angel, we would be the ones like working the range or whatever. So one day I'm 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 out there, and by the way, everyone like aims at that cart. You know, yeah. it's like. Yeah, you don't do that when you're... No, because I remember being the guy in the oh, car. Oh, I'm, I'm aiming right at that car to the driving range. You hit it, it's 10 bucks from your friend. I'm always like, 10 bucks on the car. He's like, 10 bucks. I'm aiming right for it. And uh, so I, I get out and I'm shoveling balls. And, you know, the only protection we had, mind you, was this like safari hard hat. But wait a minute, time out. So people know at the driving range, I'm aiming at them because they're in a, in a cart with a cage. Right. Why did you get out? I've never seen getting out of the car. You never should get out, right? They made you get out? Yeah. Bro, that's no, no bueno. I'm also never going to aim at a dude that's out. But when they're driving it with a cage, you can't damage them in the cage. So as you're driving around with this little cart, it's picking up balls or whatever, but then it would jam up. And there's, at the time, now it has grass, but at the time yeah. they had turf, but they put turf in it, I guess, in the late 90s. So it was all ripped. All the balls would get stuck in the, in the turf, you right. know? So you could see dirt, you could see like pieces of cloth hanging. So we would go in and shovel the balls into the back of it. And you would hope it's like, hey, you kind of wave at people. Hey, don't hit me. And you just hear. It was like, <laughs> I, I hated every second of it. Right. So I'm, I'm shoveling balls. And thank God this thing wasn't a direct hit, but it, it, it like bounced off of the, like the ball picker in front yeah. of the cart. And it hit me right here, bro. I buckled like I hit the ground like it was like roly poly just. Bro, I kid you not. It, 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 bro. I'm sorry, bro. The visual is hilarious. Bro, bro, I, I was out. When you get knocked out, you just put your arms up for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. So it hit you in the, did it, did, did it break anything? Did you see anything? the fight of Mas Vidal and Ben Askren? Yes. When, when, when he, yeah. Uh, yeah. Th that's that's what I look like. This is you. Yeah. I was out. Did it break anything? Crack anything? Nothing. No, I, I, I got hit here and I'm out and I can still kind of hear stuff when you're knocked out. You can kind of hear stuff. I remember seeing a bunch of little colorful dots everywhere. Oh yeah. When you knocked out, you're, you're still, I mean, it's, you're semi-conscious. I mean, you still know what's going on. Your brain's trying to get through the fog. Yeah. And there's like all the these fog. like, like kind of like, you know, like colored dots or, or whatever. But then I, I hear another cart coming towards me. I remember this vividly like, and then I hear the voice of. Not an angel, the homie angel. He's like, hey, dog, they called and said you're out here sleeping, dog. <laughs> what and he's like shaking me and I'm like trying to come up. I'm like, you you dumb fuck. And I'm like, I'm crying. Yeah. And, you know, I start crying. I'm gasping for air. And, and I'm like, I got knocked out. He's like, oh, shit, dog. He's like, somebody called the car and said you were out here just chilling. It's like, no, I got knocked out. What an asshole. Cut to a couple of weeks later, uh, uh, I, I see him come to work. Cause we, we're going to switch shifts 
and uh, he's coming to work. He's about to clock in, and he's limping. I'm like, what happened? He's like, don't talk to me, dog. He got hit in the shin. He had his shit bandaged up. <laughs> that's what I get for laughing. Yeah, but I'd, but I'd rather take the shin in the neck. That's what, I mean, dude, my dad yeah. one time hit a dude. It took a bounce, and it hit a dude in the chest, and they had to send him to the hospital to get x-rays because they thought they might have broke something. And he was fine, but thank God. But it skipped off the ground, boof, and hit the dude right in the center of the fucking chest. Ooh. What, you ever dude, been hit? You ever been hit out there? No, which is crazy. Knock on wood. But like... uh this is another thing. So Jesus is an avid golfer as of quite recently. You start only started golfing how long ago? No, I I uh, I've, I've been golfing since I was in in college. That's where but I you learned. Really, but you told me that you really have started like, like I really started it get into like, it as of a couple years ago. Right, because like, that's when I learned it and I got lessons. I used to get lessons by this uh, uh, the PGA pro at the course. Uh, 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 Barosa was his last name, right? right? Um, dude used to have a little flask. I mean, the works and yeah, just start yelling it. at people. Great hey, product. that's not how you do it. Huh? Right. So the deal I had was I, I I would clean the buckets of balls for his class, have them ready, and I would get a thirty minute lesson at the end of the week. It's huge. So I, I mean, that, that's, that's where worth I took money, it, man. As of a few years ago, that's where I'm like, I'm I'm gonna do it on my own. I'm gonna really like play. How, how many how many how many kids uh, that you grew up with golf? Zero. Yeah, it was just wild. so so Angel and I when we started man working there we didn't know how to play we just started I mean every every club that I have has been given to me by somebody at the course right you know so I assembled this cool set just by by golf clubs that were given to me by different you know is that what you have now yeah it's 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 my favorite set ever and and even Angel that's how he got his set but man you look at Angel tatted blasted up full you yeah. know but he's good. It's he like lights out. They judge him. You know, it's like sometimes you get paired like, up. Who's this Mexican man? They let this gangster. He's like, why is he out here? In, who's this in, Vato they let on the course here, pal? You know, he got some foot joys and, and, and some dicky pants. I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, we'll see. And then he just slams it. And you're like, wow, man. But yeah, he learned. He learned there. I learned there, man. It's just such a beautiful sport. And I wish more people would get into it. But I mean, it's an expensive sport. So that's, in, that's, in my that's the biggest problem. It's expensive. Yeah. I mean, well, it got it got. It's become cheaper, you know, as time has gone on. Cheaper, yeah. Yeah, it's become cheaper. When I was a kid, you didn't play, at country club people played golf, and that was kind of it. You know what I mean? Like, you you didn't really afford, golf, public courses weren't as plentiful, and they also weren't as cheap at the time anyway. Back then they were not, But now it's gotten a lot easier for people to play golf, which I think is their goal, because they know that golf has gone down so much. It's a sport that a lot of people talk shit about, that, that, that if you don't know it and never played it, people kind of see it as, it's this old, rich, white sport, which is true, but... Man, I wish the dynamic changed more because more people should play. It's such a fun way to get out, chill out, walk a little bit, get some exercise. Like get outside is so nice. And it's a self-competition, which is so fun, right. you know? It's but also the people that you meet when you go play. Like I've I've, you know, through comedy, you go on the road, you you know, you're performing in a, in a different state, different city every weekend, but I get to go play golf. Yeah. The people that I meet phenomenal man it's the best it's a it's a it's a great community the, the 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 unfortunate truth is it still is an old rich white guy sport so there is kind of a hoity-toityness to it that needs to be eradicated because it has nothing to do with the game itself like mm-hmm. there's this idea that uh the way you dress and the way you look and all these things should matter really it should be your your attitude in my opinion it's your respect for the other golfer, and that's all I care about. I don't give a shit about any other right. detail. You know, I just think I think a lot of old school dudes that I played with they get hung up on the details, and sure. you're like, bro, as long as, have fun. as long as we're out here to have a good time, yeah, c- cut the bullshit. 
This is this isn't for money. Speaking you know? of cutting the bullshit, you're really good though. I'm all right. Oh, yeah, no, you're really good. I'm okay, I, I, I'm okay. I like I like playing. I like playing. So, did you start playing when you were younger? How'd you get introduced to the game? Yeah, like we. I try. I I'm took, always curious how you got introduced to the game. I took a lesson. Uh, well, I took a couple lessons when I was a kid, but then I also worked on a golf course. When, oh uh, no way! Yeah, I worked. Uh, I worked on a golf course when I was in junior high. Caddy? Yeah, I was a caddy. I mean, uh, first of all, was I first worked on. Um, it was like cleaning maintenance crew, which is it's vague because that's not the right term, but we, we were really kind of gophers, right? So it was kind of like pull flags, um, leave markers for tournaments, uh, mm. clean up um, putting greens, right? You do, yeah, like we had to do all the gopher work, right? Like all the bullshit gopher work, arrange yeah. stuff. Um, and then I, ca- I started caddying. Caddying was the worst. Carrying a, a grown man's <laughs> bag is the worst bullshit on planet Earth. It sucks. I'd recommend it to literally nobody. It's a it, it, the people that do caddy, the men that do caddy, because back then it used to be a kid's job. Now it's a man's job, especially country clubs are all grown men that do it, mm-hmm. and they can make a great living doing yeah, it. Yeah, ton but of money, man. When I was a kid, it was a young dude's job, and you got you made no money. You made twenty five bucks a round or something like that, which it's a four it's four out four and a half four to four and a half hours. You made twenty five dollars, so you do the fucking math, and then you hope for a good tip. And and I I'll never forget, dude. I never forget. I got change from a guy. He gave me change. What? I don't even remember how much it was because I dropped it. I was shocked. Oh, but he gave man. me change, and he said good stuff. And he walked away, and I was so sad. I just dropped the change. It just rolled away, and I went back into the clubhouse. And I was just I was just like, this isn't worth it, man. I mean, it, so many experiences like that of getting ripped off, and yeah. also. You know, they treat you like shit. You're carrying their bag. They think you're you're less than them. That's another. That's a thing of the sport that I don't like. Is there's a disrespect that exists within this Huge. culture that's bullshit. Huge. Yeah. And, and even like working the range or like working the cart barn. You know, a, a, a lot of finger snaps and you know, come do this. Hey, clean get up. Hey, come here. Come, yeah. here. come please, Speedy Gonzalez. Come here, sir. Yeah. You name it. You yeah. name it. I heard it all there, man. And it was. You probably heard some racist ass bullshit. Of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. just and and it, it's part, it, it's a it's a it's a cultural thing for these old. It started dudes. off it's with like, the with the hello, hey amigo, fuck, yeah. here we go, hey amigo. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a <laughs> the jump off, amigo. I said, oh, shit. hello, my amigo, <laughs> compadre. I said, oh, this guy's really on one. Feliz Copliano, sir. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, and they're trying to throw <laughs> in. <laughs> That but that's a but that's an old symptom of this country cl- cl- club attitude of like, you work for me, boy. I'm a. Pu-. It's really fucked up. It's it's uh, it's on some. That's the thing about golf that I need. I want gone in order for me to be more in love with the game because even as somebody who, um, but there's good people like there I- is, dude. But 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 the, but but the, but the culture has really done itself a disservice. And the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, historically speaking, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's been bad. But I will say this: it's like I, I, you say you don't recommend working at a at a golf club. You no, know? no, ca- I don't like. Ca- I didn't like caddying as a kid. That's caddying, all. okay. No, I, I recommend it. Yeah, if you, it's it's a it's, as, it's an okay job. I, I wouldn't say caddy as a eighth grader. I that I that I did not enjoy. No, I I think it's cool because he, he, here's the one thing: a golf course attracts a a successful person from all walks of life. Yes. Meaning you can play with a successful landscaper, mechanic to like an engineer, lawyer, what have you. True. But it's like you get point of view from all walks of life. And there's a special kind of person that's able to play 
a a round of golf at 9 a.m. on a Wednesday. Right. That's not a bad mechanic. That's a that's fairly a really successful, good, that's a yeah. good mechanic. Or you know, a guy who does a, you know electrical worker, you know, is, you know, construction, whatever it is, like jobs that you're like, oh, I don't know about that. No, they're very successful and they might be paired up in a, in a threesome, foursome with an engineer, you know, lawyer, sure. that kind of thing. So that side of it, I do enjoy. And I met, I met a lot of, you know, retired elder men who, who were just like, you know, they put you up on game. Had I not chosen a path of, 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 of comedy, like I, I, I think I would have had some connects, you know, into the business world. So did you look at it as business opportunities as well? I realized it was, but that's not what I went into it. No, I know, but that's a very keen sensibility. And I understand exactly what you're saying because no one that's playing golf on a weekday is someone who's struggling for cash because you wouldn't go play golf in the middle of the week if you were right financially strapped i mean this is like we used to we we used to putt for 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 cigarettes with uh with the guys there so bob he was there he didn't smoke but there was a uh, uh, another guy australian cat he sold stuff on ebay so he would like i don't know what he would sell but he would list stuff all day and then you know at twilight he would come in and just putt just putt around it's like what does this guy do to afford to be here every single day right when we found out he did that there was another guy that used to come down um that would just play just at twilight and then go putt until it became dark. His name was George Sinfo. He was a guy. Sinfo. Sinfo. Yeah. Uh, from New York, I believe. And, uh, he worked at Saatchi and Saatchi. Right. Oh shit. And I went to school. I, w- I was at, you know, Cal state Dominguez at the time studying marketing. And he's like, Hey, you know, I, I see you hustling. What do you want to do? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to school for marketing, but I want to be a comic. And he's like, well, let's talk about the marketing thing. He's like, what do you want to do with that? <laughs> Everybody. Dad, the comedy thing is a whole nother thing. I don't want to get into Which, that. Which by shit. the way, Bob was all for it. He was, Bob just, was for comedy. Bob was for comedy. Bob, he, is Bob alive? I love this dude. Can he, we have him on the he, show? He passed away recently. God, unfortunately. Come on. Jesus. Yeah, man. Rest in peace, Bob. Rest we love peace, you, Bob. dog. Uh, they named uh, one of the benches after him. Angel told me, so that's so cool. They give you a bench when you die at a golf course. That's a whole thing. And, like, and, and his his uh, his quote is on there. He's like, I think I'm onto something. Like he would go like hit that's balls a for great like great quote. He he would hit balls for like two hours. He comes back. He's like, I think I'm onto something here. He's uh, like, you got to do this, and then you got to swing through. What a, that's I'll a, see that's you. a that's a really sweet that's a like really sweet simple thing to Classy. do for Bob. Yeah, that is very cool. And um. Yeah. Um, but yeah, George, George Simfo was like, um, Hey, I, I retired from Saatchi and Saatchi. Let me take you down. So he took me and gave me a tour of the place Oh wow! and uh, introduced me to the person that does like uh, internships there. You know, it's like, Hey, you should have an internship here. And they were based out of Torrance, right? Right, right. by the Delamo mall. Right. Uh, one of their offices here. And, um, so I go and I, and I go to the first round of interviews and I'm like, ah, eh, I got some shows coming up open mics you know I'm yeah, like I don't, coffee I don't, shop shit yeah i'm like i don't know that this is is gonna conflict you know your priorities were right i still hey, th- i still think what would have happened had i gone to your the, priorities were right but yeah no you're it's too like, good of a comic to have done anything else and that's a that's a fact i would have got fired saying some yeah yeah shit. betting cigarettes for something weird over at sachi and sachi i'd have fucked yeah no, the culture of golf is is one that I think uh, I'm just a new school cat in an old school world, you know, and I love the game so much, but people, most young people don't give a shit about it because, um, first of all, because Tiger Woods was the only minority that gave a shining light within the game, so it's hard to attract young minorities outside of young white audiences. That's a very big detriment, okay? Yeah. And on top of that, um, the game lacks, it, it, what, what, it, what it prides itself on is in my opinion, what it lacks for youth culture, which is 
kind of freedom of expression and freedom sure. of freedom of style and freedom of of uh, honestly a personality, right? Like th- people could complain whatever, however they want, but professional athletes are still fucking people. They deserve to be who they are, unabashedly so. And whether or not you think they're good people mm. is is in my opinion not part of the whole thing. There, you like them because they're a good athlete. I hope that they're good people, but at right. the end of the day. It's beside the point. You yeah, like yeah, that's a- to me. But but for golfers, they have to put on this fake face, right? This brings me to this very obvious point of golf. They always have to have this phony, I'm such a good guy, I'm perfect, I'm a part of this class, this elitist fucking mentality. So when Tiger Woods likes fucking girls behind a Waffle House, he's the worst person to ever live. Right. Right? That was my. That's a beef I have with the game that I'll never get over. The greatest, sure. in my opinion, the greatest golfer... In my generation that I've seen, people can bark at me about, you know, the the the, the elderman. But Nicholas yeah. and, and and Palmer are phenomenal golfers. Sure. They're, they're the best of all time. But my generation was the first to see someone like that do what he did, and and Tiger for, for the first time changed the game yeah. in a way that was that 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 was shocking. It was like, whoa, the game can be personalized you can get excited when you make a fucking putt you can you can be like fuck yes you can be stoked about doing something dope in sports he brought flavor to a flavorless fucking game right and then he was punished because of people's personal opinions about his ethics and his morals i don't judge your ethics and your morals that's on you you're a fucking golfer to me i don't give a fuck you want to fuck girls at the waffle house that's not my business it shouldn't be right. anybody's business. That bothered right. me to no end that people chastise this man right. about his private life with him and his wife. That's between him and his wife and their family. That's not with me. That's not with us. It's not sure. with me. It's not my fucking business. No, it's not. And so people's morals and their ethics, they get to throw stones at somebody. But I think you hit it on the nose. It's like, I hope he's a good person, but it's like, I, the reason I tune in is because I want to see him golf and do yes, his thing. Yeah. Yes, yes, dude. As long as, he's got, as long as these people are doing their best to be yeah. people like, like you and like I am, just mm-hmm. the same... Who am I to fucking judge what he does in his private life? It's his fucking business. You can be against his behavior, but to to banish him and to do what they did to him really always put a sour taste for the game in my mouth. And it really brought it back to this old cool, old school elitist mentality yeah. that I think it's going to be a long time before we get back to a place of progression. In terms of what Tiger did, you know, as far as pre- touching so many different cultures, let's be real. How many other black golfers, you know, are going to be able to do what he did. How many other non-white golfers? Tony Finau might be the only other uh, b- brown-skinned guy that's in that elite top 25 Sure. of a name that's going to be mentioned. I mean, for the longest time, Vijay Singh was the only fucking other brown guy I could think of. But one of the things I, I, I think about, like, Ty- Tiger Woods and his comeback, like, the comeback is... T- to, to witness has been so much sweeter than the come-up. It's like, oh, to it's, have it's it all and... You know, be treated the way he did. You know, sure he made a mistake and all. You know, but for him to come back the way that he did, I mean, yeah, wow, yeah, wow, yeah, it's incredible. No, I mean, did you watch him and uh, him and Peyton Manning take on Phil Mickelson and? Uh, no, I didn't see that. Oh, so great, sweet. Oh, so great. Just it was a great charity run. Yeah, you know, it was a great little charity run. They raised twenty million dollars. Tom Brady and uh, Phil Mickelson versus uh, Tiger and Peyton Manning, and of course. Peyton and, and Tiger won because that's that's what I wanted. Nobody wanted to see fucking Tom Brady also be good at golf. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's a legend, man. He's yeah. a legend, of Tiger. And it, it it's like uh, Ben Hogan had that uh, that that quote is like you find it in the dirt. You know, it's yeah, like you find it in the and, dirt. And and for Tiger, he 
he he found it in the dirt through and yeah. through from the beginning to the comeback and it's like man what a beautiful game it, it has a lot of parallels with life that's another reason I, I i love that game you find that huh you find that it's like very it's it's got very these simple little moments that make you that remind you of things in life huh it, yeah because it's like uh, what's the common saying that they, they say it's like it's that one shot that get that that gets you to come back get you to come back yeah yeah that's what stand up is yeah. you know it's like why do you get up on stage again it was that one laugh and that new joke that new right. tag it's like there's so much parallels to you know life you know being patient you know being able to correct your your game is like sure you aimed one spot but you ended up over here were you gonna cry or or, or figure out what the proper tool is and get yeah. yourself out of well it's a, it's, it's a testament to sell, to to uh, uh, self stability in in sports there's no, not not many sports where um, it's that mental right tennis tends to be that mental that yeah. I hear I mean I'm not a big tennis player but I hear that ten, tennis is a lot yeah. of mental but golf is such a mental game of like how can you recover from something negative. You don't really when you miss a basketball shot that doesn't really sink as hard with you because you're going to take 50 more, you know, sure. or whatever. It's just there's something about that game that checks your mentality. One of my worst jokes, I'll give you one of my worst one of my first jokes that I ever told yeah. was t- this was how it was so shitty. Uh and by the way, God did this not hold up time-wise, but it rem- you just dude it brought me out of <laughs> that and the whiskey brought me out of this. I was like, "Oh my god, I used to have a golf joke. I used to say uh, I used to say um <laughs> this is when I first started comedy. It was terrible. I said um Golf is a very hard sport. It's very challenging, you know, and I find it to be just like dating. It's exactly like dating. You know, when you sh- when you shank a ball into the woods and you go looking for that ball, when you go out, it's just like when you go out at night looking for a girl. You're looking for that brand new Titleist, you know? That, se- that, sexy, that sexy, smooth, clean, soft, just the right dimples, you know, and, but you look and you look all, all day, you look for this ball, just like all night you're looking for the right one. By the end of the night, you're like, ugh, I'll just take a range ball, you know? <laughs> it's yellow. It's been hit before. <laughs> it was such a bad joke. But for some reason, like c- certain crowds thought it was like, they were like, that's that's so funny. I was like, it's such a poorly written joke and such a bad joke. But for me, I, I was golfing so much when I when I first moved out you here. You found the correlation. It oh, was, yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was funny. Uh, young uh, comic golfer. Oh, like- young shitty comic correlation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, you take a range ball. It's been, and I said, it's been, it's yellow and it's been hit before. And then someone afterwards said, um, <laughs> beyond the abuse part of it, which is not a, you know, which is fucked up, that it's like, uh, it's been hit before. But they go, uh, why yellow? <laughs> That's a hard thing to get out of. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Is, is that a, they're like, is that an Asian joke? I'm like, I don't know, man. No, that's a golf range. It's joke. a golf range joke, but also, yeah, man, I'm ignorant yet. I didn't get there yet. You, when you when you're young in joke writing, you just don't get there yet. Like, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm figuring out. What's your first worst joke? You do you remember some of your worst couple of jokes? Your first jokes that you used to tell that were, yeah, I, uh, 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 you're like, yeah, they're in the special, bro. Uh, I open and close with them actually. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I remember I had this joke about uh, uh, the death penalty. That was my first joke ever. What did they give them here? It? So it's stupid, but no uh, shit. Let's hear it, baby. Uh, I, I remember there was a guy that was about to be executed, yeah. uh, gonna get the death penalty, and I remember reading it in a newspaper, and uh, he asked for their, uh, the last meal because because of this particular person, they they decided to. I don't know if it's still a thing, but you can't ask for a last meal anymore because they were asking for like wild, yeah, crazy shit, crazy I shit. That. Yeah, yeah. This guy asked for like a bunch of ice cream flavors or tubs of ice cream or whatever, and uh, so I named off the examples that they gave him. Like, if um, if I was in the death, like if I had the death penalty and they asked me what my last meal w- uh, would be, I'd ask for a Red Bull because I heard it gives you wings. 
And I just looked around. <laughs> that, Nothing. It was yeah. so bad. But in my head, I'm like, correlation because the wings. And again, I think. You're like, wings, I can fly. I get about it. Yeah. Again, I think in, in, I, I think in cartoons. So it's like I, see, I would see the commercial in my head with the. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to kill him with this one. Right. And um, no. But the animation would have helped. Right? Did you do the sound? Did you do the thing? No, I was no, too see, young in comedy. You yeah, when you do your physical end to it, then it works. Then I'm laughing. That's what's interesting, right? <laughs> who, am I, who do I, I think I, I am? I, I'm I like Seinfeld. Have, I'm like, and then it works. Yeah. I used to have this physical joke that I thought was like the funniest thing this world has ever seen. Yeah, what is aside it? Aside from, you know, uh, armpit fart sound. and Never um, gets old. Or this one. You know? this. Remember this one when you fart under whoa. your leg? You ever do that under your leg? That's like, like yeah. That's like being able to do this, but with fart sounds. You're like, can you? Yeah. I can't do that. Oh, people yeah. whistle, whistle like this. You know that thing? Yeah, no, you and your mouth can't do that shit. I yeah. can't do that. Oh, what is, that's how you whistle? No, with your front teeth? You don't go like this? Well, look at my teeth. I mean, what, what, <laughs> <laughs> what a setup. I'm like, what's up, man? Don't hell hey. those teeth can't do that? Hey, hey. Whiskey Ginger. <laughs> um, well, uh, what was the other joke? Oh, 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 this joke where it's like, oh, my dad set me up on a blind date. He was like, man, you're going to love this girl. It's like, uh, you, you know, her waist is like this. I'm like, what? She's that skinny? And then I go on this date and I come back. I figure it out. It was waist to waist. <laughs> I mean, I, and that joke used yeah. to bomb. Yeah. Like, and that's so, a fun joke though. But, but, but sometimes it would get like a, like a, like a hit or, 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 or something. And in my head, I'm like, what am I doing wrong? It's like, cause I would figure out logistically, like, do I have to put my hands in front of the mic stand and, and go like this? Right. Do I got to go like this? And I would workshop how to present it this bomb night after night yeah but that's important <laughs> workshopping a bomb is important that's how you know if a joke is bad yeah no that's it's a bread and butter we have to we have to do field testing used, on a joke i'll tell you you get you i'll give you another bad joke that i used to tell that actually started that worked. bad jokes bad jokes it actually worked it used to work a lot i used to tell when i did the boat in long beach i used to when i did queen mary in long beach oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. um uh uh when you said uh eddie the eddie bauer i said my dad drives a um ford explorer eddie bauer edition uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm broke. I couldn't afford that. So I'm have, I got the Hyundai Sonata forever 21 edition and it used to go over so well for, and it's a terrible joke, but people loved it. People were like, Oh yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to get that. Uh, uh, what I say? I, I'm going to get the, um, <laughs> Pontiac, uh, Sunfire Ross collection. People love that shit too. It just, it's such a bad joke, but they but they love the simplicity of it. It's like when you give someone they've seen before a thing that they know, uh-huh. they go, "Yeah, I, I get that. I see. That. I can feel that." That was one of my wor- that was one of my worst jokes. That literally would work all the time. And I remember even telling it. I was ah. like, "I fucking hate this joke." Sometimes you tell shit that you hate. You get old. Like, are you done? All the jokes you've done for your special that's out right now, you're done, right? That's it. You can't do them again. Yeah, I don't want to do them. They're anymore. burnt. Yeah, they're burnt. Yeah, you yeah. burnt them. That's what we say. I'm, you burnt I'm, all I'm, those jokes. I'm like excited and and happy to get into new stuff. I'm, you know, I'm. How much time do you have right now outside of the special? Do you think? Twenty five. And that's because that's because when did you film it? November second of 2019. Okay. So I had about yeah because uh, there was like. Yeah, there was like two bits that I that I ended up cutting out of the special because the the special was like an hour and ten, so I took those ten minutes back. So I got twenty five uh, working on brand new. That's 15, great. So that's great. Yeah, honestly, man, that's hard. I mean, most 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 of us are trying to work as hard as we can when you do put out a long, you know, a spe- either a half hour, an hour, or whatever. As long when you're putting out stuff, 
you got to have something in the chamber because it's hard to start from scratch, dude. Man, it, yeah. Scratch it's, cooking is tough. Yeah, it's like doing dough, you know. You you want a little bit of stock from the previous pile yes. right in there just to get the... Zero is bad to be at. Man, like, I don't know about you, but, like, the feeling I had that weekend, I, I mean, I, I it was a Saturday when I taped it, so it's like, but that Sunday... I remember that Monday, like I remember having this feeling of going like, ooh, now what? Yeah, but our but our rules are, our unwritten rules of comedy are, you are allowed to do the jokes until the special comes out. Right. Now that the special's out, now that you're going to put them to bed. Unwritten. But you can tour and yeah. do them until the thing comes out, you know? And then when it comes out, then you got to, got to, you got to kind of, got to, you got to put them to sleep. Up, yeah. You got to put them to bed. Then you got to go find them in the dirt, like Ben Hogan said. You got to Ben Hogan them out of the dirt. Um Look, everyone at home should be watching uh, Jesus' special right now on Showtime. If you don't have Showtime, do yourself a favor. Get Showtime yeah, because you, can... you get three months for free. Yeah. You can try it. And Jesus doesn't give a shit if you cancel after three months. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not going to affect him. Just give him the number boost of watching the special, right? Yeah, just you know, go, go on there, watch the special, watch some other programming, cancel, you know. Cancel at, cancel at two days and 29 months, depending on the... Yeah. Sorry. Cancel two months, twenty nine days, depending on the on the month. But watch it. Um, stay at home, son. Uh, incredible comic, great dude. You're gonna keep killing it. We end every episode the same way. I want you to look inside the camera. Uh, you're gonna say one word or one phrase to end the episode when I'm off camera. You choose what it is. Uh, whenever you're ready. Okay. I think I'm onto something. In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. Oh, that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You owe me $5 for the whiskey and $75 for the horse. Gingers are hell no. This whiskey is 